This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Overcomers, God's Vision for You to Thrive in an Age of Anxiety and Outrage, written and narrated by pastor and best-selling author Matt Chandler, and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. I think there are some areas where we can help the listeners see that their pain is acknowledged by God. Their mm -hmm. suffering is seen. Their suffering is not in vain, that there's a purpose to it. The book is titled Preaching to People in Pain, and I'm going to be talking to Matthew about that today. And Dr. Matthew Kim is the George F. Bennett Professor of Preaching and Practical Theology at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in Boston area, Massachusetts. And uh, Matthew, it's great to have you on Monday Morning Preacher today. Matt, thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be with you. Matthew, you've written a lot of books, but this one seemed to be the most personal of your books. I, would you say that? Oh, absolutely. And you share a lot of your own personal story in here. So we're going to get to that in a few minutes. I know you've written a number of books and probably done a number of dedications to, to different important people in your life, but I noticed that you dedicated this book to your father and mother-in-law. What did they model for you that's had a lifelong impact on how you preach or shaped you as a preacher? Yeah, thank you. My in-laws are two of the most uh, warm, personable, generous, caring people I've ever met. Godly Christians. Uh, my father-in-law is a retired surgeon, and they lived in the upstate New York near Syracuse area. And he practiced there for, I can't remember how many years, close to 50 years. Whenever he found out that a patient was a pastor or a clergy person, he would never send them a bill. Wow. It was just his, his way of serving the Lord, serving the church and serving the pastor. And now that he's retired, he doesn't do that anymore, obviously. But <laughs> just something that he modeled was a spirit of hospitality, generosity. During vacations, he would often go to Mexico and serve short-term missions doing his medical practice clinic for the local people. So just someone who just continued to model for me uh, a, a spirit of, of charity and kindness and Christ-likeness. Yeah, that is really amazing and beautiful. You know, the older I get, the more I think about just how lives, the you know, as Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So it's kind of like, who am I imitating? And it, am I imitatable? You know? So anyway, that's a really beautiful example of that. So in your book, Preaching to People in Pain, which by the way is being published by uh, Baker Academic, you identify a problem with a lot of preaching in the United States. We do not preach that often on pain and suffering. So uh, give us a lay of the land of that. What do you see as a, a preacher, a homiletics professor, a thinker about the discipline and calling of preaching? What, what do you see and what, why is that a problem? The genesis of the book was really when I was a pastor serving in Denver, Colorado. I look back on my own preaching ministry and the sermon series that I would create, or even uh, the, the book series as I laid out my sermons, I, I thought back about how often did I actually preach to the real issues of people? You know, we have this glorious gospel that we are to present, mm -hmm. and we are to share that as much as possible. And I believe that with all my heart. But I, I also look at what's happening in the pew. And uh, while there is this hope in the gospel, people are dealing with real issues in their lives. They have all kinds of pain. And I get into some of those in, in the book. But as I think about, you know, I started writing this book in the spring of 2019 and listening to some of the well-known preachers, but also just listening to my own sermons as well as those of my colleagues. 
the, the issue of pain doesn't always come up. It's, it is this positive, really encouraging message, which is good, but it didn't really deal with some of the, the lingering issues or current issues of the people in the pews. So that's why I started writing this book and, and just even seeing my own journey as a Christian. Uh, how can I really embrace the gospel fully until I deal with my own issues that are plaguing me in, in some cases? And so that's why I started writing the book. Do you find this is a peculiarly American problem or more pronounced in different ethnic groups? Or, or do you feel like it's sort of a all across the board kind of phenomenon? Well, I, I see that particularly black preachers are adept at this. So mm-hmm. I think that they've already been doing this. Uh, I yeah. don't think it's a universal problem, meaning that pastors don't preach on pain. I think the black church does this regularly, and they've been modeling that for, for many different cultures. I do see it as a North American problem. We focus too much on positivity and excellence and success, and we, we could do a little bit better in terms of bringing people who are in pain into the mix. Tell us about the potential pitfalls of preaching on suffering. You list some of them, and so highlight some of those for us, whatever you think are most important. And then why do you advocate for doing it despite the potential pitfalls? I think one of the issues that might come up is that the preacher might feel like the preacher might lose some pastoral authority with the congregation. I still remember when I was a pastor in Denver and playing basketball with one of my church members, and he looked over at me and he said, hey, Matt, your life must be really hard. And I thought, why are you asking me that? So I asked him, so why do you say that? And he said, you need to be perfect, but I don't. And at at first I thought, what are you talking about? (laughs) I got a little upset. I'm a person too, I was thinking. And as I thought about his life and as he looked at me, there is this perception among many Christians today that the pastor needs to be as perfect as possible. The Mm. pastor can't show flaws or issues that appear in their lives. But as I think about pastoral authority in our culture today, I think we do need vulnerability. People want authenticity. Hmm. They want the preacher to be real with them, not not just act pastorally as this model Christian uh, in front of them. And so I think with wisdom, I think we can share some of our own issues. This is not a blanket statement that I share all my sins publicly or things like that, but I think we can be honest with people that if we have some doubt, if we have some frustration, that we're lamenting with them, that we're Mm -hmm. angry in the season of racial injustice or uh, just the the tensions in our culture, I think we can be honest with them. Another pitfall might be the sermon focuses too much on the preacher, Mm -hmm. that we become the hero of the story, the the sad hero of, of every sermon. And one of the things that we want to be mindful of is that, yes, it can sound like a therapy session every week where we're just divulging our pain to the people. But I think within reason, as long as it's not every week and uh, sharing the same stories, it's actually going to help the people see us as real human beings. So what are some of the benefits? I think, first of all, it humanizes us. We become real people to them. We're not just some pulpit figure that they see every week. It, It connects us with their pain. And as I've been trying to do this more intentionally in my pulpit ministry as a pulpit supply preacher, I've been sharing pain whenever the text reveals that pain. And there have been several times where church members will come up to me afterwards and say, hey, I had that same issue, or I struggle with that, or I have that health issue. And so it really connects people, not just to to the word, but it connects the people to the preacher. And I think that can help aid the preaching process. So 
Speaking about personal stuff, I think it's more towards the middle of the book. You didn't actually start at this place, but you start sharing some of your own personal pain and suffering and, and you do it in a really, really beautiful way, Matthew. I just thought that was, it was just really helpful and I really connected with you. So you have experienced your own chronic health issues. Tell us whatever you want to about that and then how that's helped you connect and preach to people dealing with physical pain and illness. I think my life was pretty good until I hit about 35. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I actually had just come to Gordon-Conwell to start teaching here after pastoring for several years. I went to go play basketball at Gordon College with some students. And the day that I was installed as a, as a teacher here, I went to go bat- play basketball to, to celebrate that moment with some students. And that night, I was hit in the head with a basketball at full speed. Uh, I didn't see it coming, and it just knocked me over. And uh, I, I blacked out temporarily. And from that moment, it's been over eight, eight years now, almost nine years, I've been living with chronic dizziness. Every day, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy right now as I'm speaking to you. Wow. Every moment of the day, I'm dizzy. And for some reason, that concussion syndrome has not left. Um, hmm. I've seen all kinds of physicians and experts and uh, leading, leading people in the medical field, and nobody can diagnose me properly. But in that early part of that season, I saw a, an eye doctor, and he diagnosed me with glaucoma. And the reason why I didn't see the ball is be- was because I had lost so much peripheral vision uh, hmm. in both of my eyes. And so early onset glaucoma, chronic dizziness, you know, it's minor, more and more uh, different issues like tinnitus ringing in the ears has been a, a plaguing problem for me for about two, uh, you know, 15 years or so. So I have different things that I have in my life physically. And I know that all of our preachers, you have your own physical challenges. So it's not something that's unique to me, obviously, but I didn't want the book to be just an armchair theologian type of person who just, you know, shares, you know, this is what you should do without really experiencing it. And uh, for whatever reason, in God's wisdom, he's given me this, these experiences to connect with people. And so that's why I think uh, in my pain, uh, there's, there's beauty in that I can connect with people better. I'm just really uh, moved by that story. You know, I'm thinking about just some of my own pain and just sort of like upheaval in life and things I didn't expect, not dealing with physical pain, but some relational pain. And I do you find that, you know, as, and again, this is, we didn't script this question, but I'm just, do you find that as you talk about your physical pain, people are connecting, not just like, oh, I have this illness or, oh, I have this, I had a concussion once or, or I have chronic pain, but there, it kind of connects with just any form of pain. Oh, absolutely. Once, once the preacher is able to share our own humanness, it, it brings about a connection with the listener that is different from when we just preach the text. And of course, I, I, I firmly believe in sound exegesis, and we got to model proper homiletics and all that. But there's something about being vulnerable with people that enables them to see the word of God embodied in the preacher. Yeah. And I think that's what will help in our, our day of the culture being so torn uh, there's so many different issues that we're going through, not just with the, the COVID-19 issue, but just on every level, as you say, relationally, economically, people are in pain. There are just so many different tensions in our world today that we can speak to. In your book, you have a really moving story about a profound loss that you experienced in 2015. 
Tell us about that and what you've learned about preaching to people who are in grief or loss. November of 2015, my younger brother, Tim, uh, I'm the oldest of three boys, and my younger brother, Tim, was living in Asia, and he had been living in Asia for about 10 years as a business person. And uh, the night that he was celebrating his birthday, which was November 7th, his birthday was November 3rd. On the night that he was uh, celebrating his birthday, he was brutally murdered in Manila, Philippines. The, the tragedy, of course, of this loss is that it was, it was a cover-up. Hmm. And they told us, in the, and my, my youngest brother and I flew out to the Philippines to, to figure out what was going on and, and to collect his body. And I, I still remember that night when I saw him laying in the casket. And uh, that, that image of him laying there will never escape my mind. But the, the fact that the police told us it was an accident. And as we went to his apartment complex where the uh, death, uh, the murder happened, it was absolutely clear that uh, the people who owned the building, uh, the security guards, and I don't know who else, they were all in, involved in this. Wow. They paid local government officials under the table. The case was closed within just a few weeks. And they kept to their story that it was an accident. And the, my, my youngest brother is a lawyer. We, we looked at everything, all the details, and it was absolutely clear to us that, that this was foul play. This was murder. There's no way he would have died the way that they said that, that he died. And so how does this affect me? Um, it, it just shows us that no one is immune or exempt from suffering, and, and especially loss. And if you go around and ask all kinds of people, they'll say, yeah, I lost this family member tragically, or I, I lost this person to cancer or whatever kind of loss there is. And as I've shared that story with people, I still remember a couple people come up to me after the service and say, uh, I, I want to thank you for sharing that story because my daughter was murder murdered recently. And we literally wept together in the sanctuary as we thought about our own loss. Uh, and there's this ability for the preacher to comfort through our pain in ways that I, you know, when I was you know, up until 35, I, I, I really didn't experience too much hardship. Uh, my life was pretty good. But for some reason, the last you know, nine plus years, the Lord has opened up these avenues for me to connect as a preacher with people. And so that's why I would, I would encourage us, you know, again, not every sermon, but whenever possible to, to share our lives with others. And it will help us uh, as pastors. Do you feel like, uh, so I'm a, pa let's say I'm preaching, I'm preaching this Sunday, I'm preaching on, uh, well, um, I'm preaching on, well, last Sunday I preached on uh, John, John chapter 12, where Jesus says, and I, when I'm lifted up, you know, obviously referring to the cross, I will draw all men to myself. Okay. So that was my preaching text and then kind of the surrounding text, but that was my main verse I was focusing on. So as I'm talking about the cross, how is what we're talking about here going to possibly shape what I'm going to say to my people? Is it coming through in my illustrations, my application, my tone, just practically, how does this change the fact that I'm, I'm really moving into this pain, how does it shape how I preach that sermon? Well, obviously, the Messiah, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, had yeah. a different mission. His suffering ultimately led to the cross, and our, our human lives don't compare in, in, uh, in terms of 
the type of mission of God that he was to accomplish for us. But at the same time, as you take Jesus's pain of going to the cross for his pain to be experienced in terms of seeing the wrath of God on the cross, taking our pain and shame and our sin, the rejection that he felt in that moment from his Abba Father. There is, I think, in some ways, a parallel to show our listeners that their suffering that they're going through is experienced by our Savior. And there's this connection that we can help our listeners see that uh, Jesus has endured all things human. He is not a God who has not suffered. He has suffered betrayal from his Heavenly Father in that moment on the cross. So, comparing, you don't always compare apples to apples uh, when you're speaking when you're right. speaking about Jesus and his life. Yeah. But I think there are some areas where we can help the listeners see that their pain is acknowledged by God. Mm. Their suffering is seen. Their suffering is not in vain, that there's a purpose to it. So, yeah, so whether it's application or illustrations, those kinds of moments, we can help the listeners see that they're not alone in this suffering. You quote a fellow preacher who said, if none of our sermons ever offers a hint that we are in daily contact with real people, daily sharing their experiences, then the word is not being truly preached. And I know one of your big themes that I've read from you is just is exegeting your people. You know, you're obviously you're big on exegeting the text, but you also have to know your people. Tell us more about that and why that's so important and what you see in, in pastoral ministry today. Yeah, Matt, I had a student years ago pop up his hand and asked a question, and the question will never escape my mind. He, he asked me, Professor, would it be okay if I built a life of ministry as a, as a pulpit supply preacher? And I said, oh, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You can be an itinerant preacher and, and do whatever the Lord has called you to do, but why do you ask that question? And he responded, well, I like to preach, but I don't like people. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and as you think about that statement, there are moments where every pastor feels this tension. Right? Yeah. People are not always easy to love and easy to deal with. Yeah, They can be prickly and it can be diff difficult at times, messy lives and all that. But I, I sense more and more people are lonely. Mm. People are suffering quietly. And it's so hard for pastors today because we're preaching to screens and we're not seeing everybody every week. And I empathize with pastors today, and I want to thank pastors. Thank you for the hard work that mm. you're doing in your churches. I, I'm so grateful for you, and, and I do pray for pastors. And yet we recognize at the same time that sometimes in our moments of discouragement or pain, it's hard for us to reach out to people. And I remember as a pastor, there were seasons where I didn't really want to meet with my people. Mm. I was discouraged or feeling vulnerable or lonely or whatever it was, or even angry sometimes. And uh, I believe the most connecting sermons are the ones where we're actually in the lives of our people. Mm. So whether they're coming over to my parsonage for a meal or I'm going out to meet with them uh, at their workplace, taking them out for a meal or hanging out with them, playing basketball or going on a bike ride with them. There's something about that connection of being a pastor to them that helps us to, to preach in a way that connects to their very lives. Uh, I think it was Ian Pitt Watson who said, preaching divorced from, uh, from pastoral ministry is blind. Hmm. And there's something about that leading people that we know from the pulpit. <laughs> yeah. Unless we're, we're actually involved in their daily lives, 
there's a disconnect. Well, in the conclusion to your book, you mentioned that preaching on pain is, and I'm quoting you, challenging, messy, perplexing, and even heart-wrenching. But your whole book is about how and why to do it. So, <laughs> so why should we preach? And I, I listed these, these words faithfully, clearly, honestly, tenderly, textually on pain and suffering. I think you've already built a really good case, but just, just sum it up for us. What, what would be your last words on why or how we should do it? As you look at the, the Gospels, I, I think the best answer is obviously Jesus. Jesus modeled for us that their salvation and ultimate spiritual renewal was obviously the most important to him. But how he got there was through mm. human aspects, feeding the hungry, taking care of physical ailments, taking care of the lame, the mute, uh, the crippled. He touched their physical pain first. He connected with them relationally. He, he connected with the woman at the well in terms of her bad relationships. These are not insignificant to our Savior. Yeah. And as we think about our own preaching ministry, sometimes the reason why they can't overcome that spiritual hurdle is because the immediate need in their life is not being met, whether it's hunger or relational deprivation or whatever it is. And so my prayer is that in some small way, this book might help us to see that as much as we need to preach the gospel, the, gar the gospel must also be in touch with people's real hardships and concerns to have an, a both and approach mm. that we focus on the earthly as we focus on the heavenly, that the two kingdoms, as Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come uh, on earth as it is in heaven, that the two worlds would collide in our preaching so that we focus on the kingdom of heaven. And yet we do speak to the earthly matters that, that need to be addressed. Yeah, makes sense. Very Jesus-like. So I'm going to throw one more question at you. So we're coming out of COVID, we hope, had a year plus of this. As you look forward, I know you've done a lot of thinking and a lot of writing about preaching and you you have understand the global scene. So what what are we facing, Matthew? What advice would you give to preachers as we hit the summer and this fall? Anything different or anything renewed or anything we need to learn or relearn? What, what would you say what would be the most important thing on your mind? I would encourage pastors to take a long, as much as long, long as possible, spiritual retreat hmm. and just be refreshed in the Lord. I, I think that seems to be a common theme as I look on social media, as I hmm. talk to pastor friends, that pastors are burned out. They're weary from this season. There are some pastors leaving ministry. Pastors are lonely. Yeah. Uh, I would say for the pastor and preacher, take some time off. Spend some time with your families. Spend some time alone being with the Lord. Recharge for the season uh, ahead. And so it, we don't know how long COVID will last, but my prayer for you, pastors, is that you would not do ministry in your own strength, mm. that you would not do ministry based on what people say you should be doing. Find ultimate fulfillment in faithful service to the Lord. That, that would be my prayer for you, and, and that you would be renewed and energized for the next season of ministry that you're called to. Don't neglect yourself. Pastoral self-care, I talk about this in the book, pastoral self-care is critical for the longevity of, of ministry. I'm, I'm writing this down as we're talking here because I'm going to quote you in an upcoming newsletter because that, that is really great advice. I just, 
you know, I expect, um, and this is not a put down at all. I just think a homiletics professor, I think you might say, well, here's something about preaching that we need to learn or something about the craft. And, and I'm, I know you care about all that deeply, you know, but I just, I just love that. I, and that's really, it's, it's challenging. It's invitational. It's, that's a really good word. So thank you for that. Again, the book is Preaching to People in Pain, How Suffering Can Shape Your Sermons and Connect with Your Congregation. And it's by Dr. Matthew D, right? D is in, in what? Well, D is, uh, <laughs> that's a funny story, Matt. My, <laughs> my parents wrote D on my birth certificate, and that's it. <laughs> so the, but, the D stands for D. D stands for D, but it, it, it does uh, symbolize my Korean name, which is Teho. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so Matthew, Dr. Matthew D. Kim, Preaching to People in Pain, published by Baker Academic. Uh, Matthew, Dr. Kim, it's been great to talk to you. I always enjoy our time together. Wish we had more time together. And God's blessing on you and your wife and your three boys. And thanks, thanks for your calling and your ministry. Thank you, Matt, for your good work at PT as well as in your local church. And uh, the ways that you bless pastors for so many years. Thank you so much for your good work. Well, thank you. And thanks, listeners, for joining in this episode of Monday Morning Preacher. This episode was brought to you in part by the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast, an outreach dedicated to bringing joy, strength, intimacy, and purpose to couples seeking growth. Be sure to visit enneagramandmarriage.com to find your chemistry together again, or for the very first time.